Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. This is the Big Six. It's going to be huge. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. That's up to you to judge, but it is the Big Six. Show two, we have not been canceled yet. Every day when I start this show, I'm going to tell you what number the show is, just so I can believe that we're still doing this thing. It's the Big Six as we continue live and local programming here on 104.5 The Zone. We're going to take you right into that midweek holiday that has thrown your entire schedule probably for a loop. So weird having a holiday on a Wednesday and so weird with what's happening in the NBA. Let's get right to it. We're going to have some fun on the show, and we're going to talk about a couple of other issues as well. But the big story here on the Big Six tonight, Boogie Cousins to the Golden State Warriors. Thank you to the NBA for the drama created over the last few days because I have no idea what sports radio or sports media would be doing or what we would be talking about if it weren't for the drama in the association. Boogie Cousins to the Warriors basically made the internet explode last night. By the way, my name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartoutkick. The internet exploded. They were trying to make sense of this and how soft are the Warriors for doing this and how could Adam Silver allow such a thing to happen? This would never happen in Roger Goodell's league. All sorts of things. Why even play the season? And I get it. Believe me, I get it. Last night I did a gimmick where I rolled through the big six takeaways from the big story. Here on the Big Six, it makes sense. I said, you know, I'm going to try this gimmick, and we'll see if it works. And if I don't like it, it'll just die a slow, painful death. But I got a lot of response, and people dug it, so let's do it again. Here are the Big Six takeaways as I see them right now. I've done so much reading about this. I know more now about caps and contracts and max exceptions and mid-level than I've ever known before, and I still don't feel confident enough to talk about it much on this radio show. There are a lot of articles out there right now written by people that spend a lot of time looking at numbers and were a lot better in calculus and statistics than I was. I'm going to look at this from a fan perspective and somebody that's worked in this industry for the last several years. Takeaway number one, Boogie Cousins is a half-court basketball player. He is a perfect player to play against the Golden State Warriors. He's not necessarily the guy that's going to walk in and be the perfect fit for the Warriors when he does get back from this Achilles injury, which we'll talk about here in just a second. What it does is it offers the Warriors a chance to change up and actually slow things down in a way that has never been available before. They've not been able to do this. If Duran is off, if the shots aren't dropping, all of a sudden you can feed the post because that's what DeMarcus Cousins is. He is a big, tall Carmelo Anthony who likes to back you down, turn around, and fade in. That's not the Warriors game at all on the offensive side of the ball. But 
it gives them options for the first time. Second, if you thought the NBA was already broken, and I wrote this article earlier at 1045thezone.com as part of the Big Six blog. I, I titled it, What the DeMarcus Cousins Deal to Golden State Means. If you thought the NBA was already broken, this doesn't change anything, but save it with the woe is me over a big guy without elite conditioning that's coming back from one of the more devastating and hard to recover from injuries in sports. Folks, this is a torn Achilles. Do you know how many guys of his size have ever come back anywhere near the same from that issue in the history of the NBA? The answer is not greater than zero. Nobody is mistaking DeMarcus Cousins with the work ethic of a Kobe Bryant. The Achilles is devastating. Here's what Elton Brand had to say. Elton Brand tore his Achilles in an off-season workout when he was 28 in August of 2007. This was after nine seasons in the league. He had averaged 20 and 10. He was potentially a Hall of Fame candidate at that point. After the injury, 15 points and eight rebounds for one year, and then dropped off precipitously after that. Here's what he said about the injury. Quote, I didn't have the same explosiveness that I had. I regained, and then I re-lost it. I didn't have it. I had to change my game a little bit where I jumped off two feet, and I was a little bit slower. Cousins has never been known for being fleet of foot anyway. Imagine if he were to actually lose a step and not be as dominant as he's been to this point. Look at the other guys that have sustained this kind of injury. Rudy Gay, never been the same. Wes Matthews, never been the same. Brandon Jennings, never even been close to the same. Anderson Verajal, Chauncey Billups was out of the league two years after it. Mehmet Okur, Vashawn Leonard, Maurice Taylor, LaFonso Ellis. There have been a couple of freaks that have been able to come back from it, but even Kobe's stats dropped off a cliff compared to what he was doing prior to the Achilles after he did the Achilles. And Kobe went overseas and did something to keep his career going for as long as it did after the fact. The torn Achilles is disgusting. I looked at it from a medical standpoint, and Lord knows I don't know anything about the medical profession. Luckily, I have some friends that do. But let me just describe it to you this way. This is a doctor back in 2015 trying to just describe the Achilles tendon. The tendon attaches the calf muscle to the heel bone. It's designed to stretch, designed to absorb force when the athlete lands from a jump, designed to provide power for push-off when taking a running step. And so, Achilles tendon ruptures are classically the scourge of a 40- to 60-year-old male. The unusual Achilles rupture in the basketball player or a female is usually bad luck, landing from a bad position, landing awkwardly hard on the leg. A common description of the tendon is as a rubber band, and then it starts looking into grades and tears and strains. He tore his Achilles completely. Snapped it is how it was actually described. There is not a good track record of anybody being able to come back from this, and that's people that actually really have trained hard to try and come back from it. DeMarcus Cousins is known for a lot of things. Training hard and conditioning is not one of them. That's takeaway two. Takeaway three, which Achilles is more problematic? Is it the Achilles injury or is it potentially being a locker room disease that turns out to attack the Achilles heel that the Warriors have largely been able to avoid throughout this run? Namely, the Achilles heel of superstar chemistry in an ego league. We even heard from David West that there were chemistry issues in the Warriors locker room during the playoff run this past season. 
We don't know exactly where they emanated from, but we know all was not necessarily peachy keen in paradise the way it had been in the past. There's a lot of egos in that room, and you just added somebody that has been a malcontent. Think about the fact that, and I'll move on, actually. I'll do number four because it plays into this. What does it say about Cousins' value and reputation? When the New Orleans Pelicans leap to snatch up Julius Randle, who I'm still stunned, by the way, the Lakers let go in favor of Rondo. As soon as the Lakers renounced his rights, they went for Randall, gave up the money that they could have given to Cousins, where they could have given him more, certainly, than the Warriors, and they just weren't interested in paying to retain Cousins, despite the fact that all the reports from New Orleans was Cousins was the most affable he has ever been as a teammate in New Orleans. Him and Anthony Davis were very, very close. Anthony Davis, as a tribute to Cousins after his injury, wore the number zero in the All-Star game. But they still didn't want this guy. And they took Julius Randle on a better deal. Two years, $18 million. So you look at the Achilles heel superstar chemistry. In addition to the Achilles heel of the injury that DeMarcus Cousins is dealing with, with that torn Achilles trying to come back from it, that's a problem. Or it could be conceived as a problem. Takeaway five. The Warriors did nothing wrong here. Other teams annihilated. Not just hurt annihilated their available money during this ridiculous contract and cap spike of a couple of years ago. Look at the Lakers. We see where they are now, but look at the Lakers. Timofey Mozgov, who makes me think more of Phil Hartman's unfrozen caveman lawyer from late 80s Saturday Night Live than a top-end NBA player, got over $70 million. Luol Deng got paid absurd money. Bismack Biombo. And I promise you that's a real name and a real player in the NBA. I bet many of you are hearing his name for the first time right now here on the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Got $72 million from the Orlando Magic. And whatever few bones happened to be left in Joachim Noah's basketball body got almost $73 million in his last deal. But that's not surprising. He got that from the Knicks. The Warriors are smarter, and they took advantage of rules that maybe should be changed, but you can't look at Adam Silver and say, you should have done something about this. You can't do anything about this, and we'll talk about that again a little bit later on in this show. And then number six, here's the bottom line to all of this. The Warriors were already going to win their third straight ring. They were already going to win their fourth ring in five seasons. They already had a murderer's row, and now they add DeMarcus Cousins, who can now sit out until Christmas, or honestly, he can pretty much sit out the entire regular season if need be show up in the playoffs and just make the Warriors a little better and a little bit more varied and potentially a little bit deadlier. Although for my money, I would rather have Curry, Durant, Thompson, Iguodala, and Draymond Green on the floor as that death lineup than whatever Cousins can probably bring. But it does give them versatility that they could not have. This is a situation where, and this is the way I closed my piece on the Big Six blog this afternoon, which you can read at 1045thezone.com. I said point blank in the words of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it doesn't matter. They were already, if you believe the NBA was broken, it was broken because Kevin Durant went there two years ago. It's not broken because they signed DeMarcus Cousins to a $5.3 million deal when we don't know what the fit's going to be. We don't know if he's going to be even half the player he was before he came back. And we certainly don't know how he's going to be in the locker room. So you can save it with the takes that now the NBA is broken. The NBA was already broken if that is your narrative today. That's your big six takeaways on the big story of the day. Up next, a question stemming from this. 
And I think there's a lot of hypocrites out there. Do you watch sports when the outcome already seems obvious? I'll ask it next, and I'll answer it next. This is a Big Six with Jason Martin here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back in. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm playing DJ and picking the music now. I told you that wouldn't take very long. Fountains of Wayne. Welcome Interstate Managers, the name of the album. If you want to go find a real hidden gem from a band that maybe you didn't really pay all that much attention to outside of Stacey's mom, Fountains of Wayne is quite good. So if you're looking for something to drive to, if you're just out and about in the sunshine, hopefully the sunshine. It's been kind of weird today with the rain and the sunshine and the downpour and the lightning that came a little bit earlier here in the Music City. Fountains of Wayne, welcome Interstate Managers. Give that a shot. So we talked about Boogie Cousins there in the first segment. I'm Jason Martin at Kick on Twitter, at least for the, for the time being. The question I asked before the break, do you watch sports when the outcome seems obvious? Because that's been the storyline all day stemming from Boogie Cousins. It's interesting because all of a sudden people aren't talking about LeBron James. They're now talking again about the Warriors and how there's no competitive balance in the NBA. It remains the NBA conundrum. In most key demos, the NBA is on the ascent even with everyone lamenting the state of the league due to a lack of competition. NBA has always generally been a league where it's been countable on one hand the number of teams that could win it all. It's less about things like a Warriors super team than the impact one dominant player can have in a five-on-five scenario. Think about that. If you have one great player on an NFL team, you still generally need other pieces to get it done. There have been exceptions but they are rare, especially when it comes to actually winning a championship. But one guy is 20% of one team on the floor at any given time for an NBA team. And in many cases, much more than 20%. LeBron James, at least according to Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live, was about 95% of his team. Michael Jordan, at one point, when they changed the way salaries were done in the NBA, made more money than the rest of his team combined. And honestly, I don't have a problem with that. Because Michael Jordan was the rest of his team, basically. But a great quarterback, again, it means a lot in the NFL, but it's rare that even a fantastic quarterback can actually win a Super Bowl without being incredibly mobile or being protected or having help at the skill positions. Defense wins championships, but what we're seeing now is defense wins championships, but you've still got to be able to score some points. NBA defensive teams that win titles, it either accompanies offense these days or it doesn't matter to anywhere near the extent it used to when you could hand check and when physical play was actually the order of the day. Golden State, unbeknownst to many, was and is a great defensive team. LeBron's Cavs team, also unbeknownst to many, ranked 29th out of 30 in the NBA in team defense. Contrast to the year he made the finals against the Spurs, and everybody's like, how in the world did he get this team to the NBA Finals? He's got Eric Snow playing with him in the starting lineup. You know how he got there? That Cavs team was a top-five defense. That's how he got there. That NBA, the one that LeBron was able to get to the Finals against the Spurs, that NBA doesn't really exist, at least not in the West. But let's go ahead and suppose that you think it's inevitable Golden State's going to win it again this year. And look, I don't begrudge you. I think so, too. This is even before the Boogie Cousins move or we found out what LeBron was going to do or anything else. 
Did you care about the NBA before that point? I'm going to argue that these games throughout much of the regular season were a lot of fun to watch. And I watched them despite never for a second, not for a second, believing the Warriors weren't going to win at all. Let me make a comparison for you. It's like a Marvel film. With one exception, you know how that film's going to go down before you even hop in the car to head to the theater. When you first see the preview, you know exactly how the structure of that movie is going to be. How many unpredictable films are there anyway? How many times does the villain win in the end? But those movies absolutely rake in cash with even more predictable endings than we get in the NBA. I mean, we got seven games out of Warriors-Rockets. Injuries can happen. Think about Donovan Mitchell, Russell Westbrook, Chris Stapps Porzingis, who was injured throughout last year, of course, Jalen Brown, Victor Oladipo, rookies this year like DeAndre Ayton, Jason Tatum, whoever it is that you want to mention. Not everybody can be Superman right now, but Deadpool still made over $100 million in his first week. You're telling me people are not going to go shell out to see Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow? Because I think you're wrong. And what are athletes in this day and age but the superheroes of modern society? They're the closest thing to superheroes that we're going to see. They do things that we cannot do. Was watching Donovan Mitchell not entertaining because you knew that the Jazz weren't actually going to win the championship? I would argue that's lazy. I would argue that's bad take. That's just not smart. Let's not forget last year's NFL either. Because whatever you thought about the NFC, there were legitimate topics across sports radio and sports media as a whole. You can find the articles still. They're out there. Even though I'm sure a lot of people wanted to scrub them. Whether or not the New England Patriots would go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. This was not like outlandish or crazy or hot take. This was a legitimate topic all across the country because it was deemed that they were going to be that dominant. How many teams did you honestly honestly look at in the AFC last year and think that team can go to the Super Bowl? I mean, really. I'm not saying that team, I'm not saying you didn't look at them and say they're good. Like, you knew the Chiefs were good, but did you think the Chiefs were getting to the Super Bowl? I mean, really. Outside of the diehard fans in Kansas City, who really bought into the idea that they were going to get there? Or at least for a long period of time, bought in. When you went into the season, who did you think was going to the Super Bowl? And who actually ended up going to the Super Bowl from the AFC? There's always a surprise team or two but not one that actually comes out and wins the title. I don't think Philadelphia was all that surprising. Maybe they were better than we thought. But if you really look across sports, it's usually pretty predictable. It doesn't happen in many sports or in many years. It helps the NFL to be one and done in the postseason. The same way it helps the NCAA tournament to be one and done because it creates upsets. The NBA, just like Major League Baseball, or the NHL, but the NHL, because it's ice, to me, increases the luck factor because I've never been able to understand. It's just the stability of that game, the randomness of that game is always going to be greater than in any other sport because of the surface it's played on. But the NBA is a, you got to beat this team four out of seven times league in the playoffs. And it makes it a lot more difficult to create that kind of parity. But, but explain to me this. What is the difference? in watching the Jazz and the Pelicans on a Saturday night, then if you're uninvested because you're not a student or an enthusiast of an SEC matchup, for instance, like Ole Miss in Florida last year, 
you're watching a game in that case that basically has very little to no effect on who ultimately wins the college football championship. The worst argument to me right now in all of sports is that the NBA is not worth watching because of something like the Golden State Warriors. That is as lazy as it gets. It's lazy. It's just as lazy to say that if you watch the number 22 college football team in America play a team outside the top 25 or even in the top 20, you're still going to watch that. You're going to try to come up with an argument as to why you should watch that, but all of a sudden the NBA is broken. The regular season is just that. We watch sports in this country because we love sports and we love competition. If you love basketball, there's a lot of great basketball being played in the NBA. Not by all the teams, but that's true in every sport. The quality in that league as a whole, in terms of the play, in terms of the young stars, is better than a lot of the garbage we got in the NFL last year. Ratings were dropping, and was it the anthem protest, or was it this? I would argue that whether or not you believe it was the anthem protest or not, there was a lot of trash football being played in the NFL last year. Bad teams are bad, regardless of how great others are. I love football, just like we all do. It's the best sport in the world. Nothing tops college football. I'll watch just about any college football game. But I need you to save it and hush with the NBA is boring because of a lack of parody arguments. To me, you're a hypocrite. Stop and think and just be honest and come out and say, you know what, the NBA game, the NBA game is just not for me because that I have respect for. But don't tell me that because there are super teams, because the Warriors have this lineup, that the NBA is completely useless. Just say the NBA product's not for you and it never really has been. There's a lot to watch in the NBA. If you can, and you watch the, the first round of the NBA playoffs this year, it was pretty strong, even with teams you knew had no chance of winning the championship. I'll watch sports even when the championship's not on the line because I like the sport. I just wish people were more honest about that and didn't come out with the parody excuse to try and explain why they don't watch the NBA. It's fine if you don't watch the NBA. It's fine if you don't watch the NFL. It's fine if you don't watch Major League Baseball, the NHL, PGA, whatever. But admit the reason is just because it's not for you, not because there aren't a lot of teams that can win championships. Because in most years, in most sports, that is always going to be the case. We got more coming up on the other side, including... Again, with the DeMarcus Cousins situation, there were also some other news around the NFL today, including decisions about Reuben Foster and a really interesting poll that was taken in Tampa Bay about Jameis Winston. I think you're going to find this interesting. It's next. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. I used to think that this was my town. What a stupid thing to think. Well, it is my town now. I haven't lived here for that long, but I've worked here for a while. And now, here permanently as the host of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, Jason Isbell, bringing us back. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartoutkick. Told you I'm controlling the music. Jason Isbell, if you're not listening to, I don't know what you're doing with your life. So let's put the kneeling and let's put the politics entirely aside. By the way, I have decided to open up the phone lines. If by some chance you want to say something about DeMarcus Cousins or take me to task, feel free, but come strong. 615-737-1045. So I'm putting the kneeling to the side. I'm putting the politics to the side. I'm not talking about Kaepernick here. 
But I want to take a, a look, a different look maybe, at a couple of different situations in the NFL right now and then juxtapose them together with the big news of the past 24 hours in the NBA. We already talked about DeMarcus Cousins, not just the Achilles injury, but he's been maligned from seemingly the very beginning, even before he was drafted, and dating back to Lexington and Cal. Character concerns. And it no doubt hurt his marketability this time around. And when you couple that with the injury, it left a lot of teams unwilling to take the risk on Boogie. And now he's with the Warriors on that one-year $5.3 million seemingly insane deal where Doug McDermott is actually making more money on his latest deal than DeMarcus Cousins just got to go win a ring. Let's talk about James Winston. Out for three games, which is not enough if he's legitimately guilty of the accusations against him, especially when you add in the poor judgment and decision-making from him in the past. Frank Schwab at a shutdown corner. Shutdown corner, by the way, the home of Greg Cosell. One of the best guests anywhere in all of sports radio that you hear every, uh, every week here on the Midday 180. He detailed a recent question that was asked by the Tampa Bay Times on Twitter as to whether or not fans feel okay to wear the Jameis Winston jerseys they've already purchased, even once he's back on the field. And the results are pretty interesting. The poll comes back with 34% of fans who own a Jameis jersey saying they will not and cannot wear it again. Another 26 unsure of what they should do. So that's basically 60% that either weren't going to do it or were unsure of what they should do, but were clearly conflicted. That means 40% were in favor of it and will do it. At least one fan, though, shipped his Jameis jersey back to the Bucks. He took photos and sent it to the Tampa Bay Times, sent his jersey that he had purchased, his Winston jersey, to the team and said, donate this or do something else. I'm greatly troubled by the scandal. I can't have this anymore. One season ticket holder wrote the Tampa Bay Times in response, quote, good riddance, we should have drafted the other kid, unquote. We know that other kid pretty well here in Nashville. And then there's Reuben Foster. News comes out earlier today he would be suspended for two games for league and conduct offenses, but there was no mention from either the NFL or the team of the domestic violence issue that raised its head earlier this year, which has now included a recant from the accuser and all sorts of other craziness. But what it left me thinking about was how much we as sports fans, not the media, who often go holier than now because... We like how it smells on us. It's like the perfect fabric softened shirt that feels flawless but covers up the look and covers up basically the mentality where we can look the other way on issues like pay for play in college and so many other concerns. But as fans, it left me wondering, how much are we going to put up with? How much will we put up with from an athlete, from a troubled athlete, from situations like the ones that I just mentioned? And the answer came to me pretty simply, although if you have a different opinion, I'd love to hear it at Jmart Outkick or via the phone lines. The answer comes along a caveat, and it depends. It depends. It depends on how good the player is, and then some kind of weird calculus equation that goes along with that that includes the serious, seriousness of the offense. I mean, nobody is getting away with the Arenthal James Simpson move regardless of how beloved they are, except in that courtroom, in that city, at that time. 
But I'm telling you, Peyton Manning, should he do the most unthinkable thing you can imagine, would still be hopeless here in Tennessee, as beloved as he is. How many Pats fans have gone against Belichick or gone against Brady amid questions surrounding New England? Now, those are on-field issues, so the comparison is very imperfect. How many Cowboys fans were repulsed with what those guys were doing in the 90s while they were winning Super Bowls? All the drugs and all the other things that were going on around that franchise. Is it okay, in your opinion, to excuse behavior based on talent? Or are we even doing that anymore? Ask Louis C.K., for example. He might have a different feeling on it. I don't know that we are doing it, but I'm trying to think. Would I actually be able to wear a Jameis Winston jersey after what I know that he has done or what I have been told that he may have done? Because, again, there's an investigation and there's some lack of transparency to what's going on and there seems to be an arbitrary number of games that this guy gets suspended for when this guy gets more and this guy gets less and somehow this guy skates. I don't really understand the machinations of all of it, but could I do it? Again, that poll, 34% of Bucks fans who own a Jameis Winston jersey said they can't wear it ever again, according to the Tampa Bay Times. And another 26 were totally unsure and didn't know what they should do. And I was trying to think if it was my favorite team, what would, what would the tipping point be for me? And would I be a hypocrite in that case with everything that's going on? The problem for Jameis Winston is, Jameis Winston has not been very good on the field. He hasn't been a disaster, but has he been the first pick in the draft, especially when you look at what the second pick has done? Yes, there are questions about Marcus Mariota in terms of what he's done on the field. Certainly zero questions what he's done off the field. And that was the rap on Jameis Winston when we first got here. And it was one of the things that backed up why you would want a guy like Marcus Mariota on your franchise originally. But Jameis Winston has thrown an average number of touchdowns, too many interceptions. The Bucs have not been able to win. You don't have a clear sense of the future when you look at Jameis Winston. So when things go wrong for him, how much of the vitriol towards Winston isn't towards groping an Uber driver and is instead geared towards what exactly he can't do on the football field? And I think it's worthy of thinking about. I don't know what it says for us as sports fans. I think I'd like for this to be a society and a place where your merit on the field shouldn't have anything to do with what you're doing off it. If you are, you shouldn't look at somebody in terms of that and be able to sort of sideline the character because they're good on the football field or be able to give them extra points where you wouldn't otherwise. I think it's fascinating when you look at that poll and you see that 60% of Tampa Bay fans are conflicted. And I would wonder of that 60%, and this is maybe the other side of the argument, how many of that 60% want Jameis Winston as the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks now? I'd love to know when those Jameis Winston jerseys were actually purchased. Were they purchased when he was first drafted? And now it's a little bit easier not to wear that jersey because they haven't been able to win in Tampa Bay. Or were they purchased during this offseason? And then you find out what happened. I don't know that we can ever get that question, but I think it's intriguing. Let's see what uh, David in Nashville has for us. He leads off with us uh, tonight here on the Big Six. David, what's up? Well, I was just going to say uh, your your 
your ratios are about correct. Uh, 60% of a population is a little conflicted about the morals of a particular individual and don't know whether or not to support him. And 40% apparently, that would mean 40% don't seem to have a problem with it. Uh, now, are we talking about Jameis Winston or are we talking about President Trump? Because that was the vote, uh, you know, th- this is a man who went into the election and literally it was a known character, you know, I mean, he was on tape, the Hollywood tape. He was a, nobody believed anything he said. He lied to, to the thing. And yet we elected this man, the president of the United States or 40% of the population did. And so that should give you a thermometer to measure the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Dallas Cowboys of the 1990s or, or any other subsets you want to talk about, there's a certain group of people who who literally do not care what the individual is like as long as they deliver what those people want. I think that's fair, Dave. What would you wear a Jameis Winston jersey now if you were a Tampa Bay fan? I, I, I would not. And I think at some point you have to say to yourself that the ends do not justify the means. And you know, and and at some point the the devil is in the details and yes i would love to you know but but if marcus mariota i'm a big titans fan sure. if marcus mariota ends up you know being convicted of you know child molestation i'm going to have to say you know what I'm. I'm not. I, I can't support you, Marcus. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I get that. But let me ask you a follow up, and I don't want you to think about this. I want you to give me a reaction as soon as I say it. Sure. If the Bucks sure. had just gone twelve and four in back to back seasons and made the NFC Championship game both years, and Jameis Winston was an MVP candidate, how would you feel then? The same way I feel about Tom Brady, who I feel like has cheated his way to the to the AFC Championships and the Super Bowls, which is I, I, I don't respect Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Because I think they bend the rules just enough to, to, to achieve the result of winning. And, and at some point, that hopefully, that shoe is going to drop. And, and hopefully, you know, a, a more moral and saner and law-abiding world will prevail. Right now, it ain't happening. And it's not happening in our political world. It's not happening in our sports world. And whatever. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a religious guy. I'm not a, you know, a holy roller or anything like that. Uh, but, but it just seems that, that morality is a, is a fluid concept. And what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. That, that just doesn't apply anymore. It- All right, David. I, I'm sorry. I, I thought he was actually done there. There's really good stuff from him, as a matter of fact, and certainly food for thought. But again, Think about it the way that I asked him that question and give me the knee-jerk reaction. Don't stop and think about it for an hour and then come to the conclusion. What's the first thing that comes into your head if you're a Tampa Bay fan? Or let's turn it around because it's hard to make yourself a fan of a team that you're not a fan of. Let's say it is the Titans and it's Mariota in the same spot that James Winston's in, but he's gone 12-4 and four the last two seasons. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I'm not wearing that jersey again? Especially when you're not exactly sure everything that may or may not have happened in the Jameis Winston situation, for example? I think it's a tougher question to answer. I don't know what it says about us. And I'm not really trying to say that we need to be better. I'm just saying that the question is worth asking, and I think it's fascinating. Final segment is next. I've got a really interesting uh, thing to make you think about as you go into the fourth when it comes to pop culture, and then stats that I want you to take with you because we want you to be safe on the 4th. We'll be right back. Big 6 here on The Zone. Sports talk just got bigger. 
The Wake Up Zone, Midday 180, 3HL, and The Big Six. Non-stop sports talk from 6 a.m. till 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. 104.5 The Zone. Yeah, I picked it. Huey Lewis in the news. Power of Love, written for the Back to the Future soundtrack in 1985. One, I love the song. Two, I love the movie. It's going to lead us into this final segment. Glad to have you with us. I do want to take this phone call since he called in uh, several minutes back. Wanted to talk about the NBA. Maybe to take me to task. Let's go to Dale in Nashville. Dale, what's up? Uh, I'm not really going to take you to task, right. but I'll give you my, my thoughts on it. Um I always watched basketball growing up. I graduated in the 90s, and uh, I would watch any teams playing each other. Uh, really enjoyed watching just about anybody. But there is a, I'll just call it a sadness that I've got lately. I try, but I just can't get into some of the lopsidedness. And uh, I did tune in for the finals, and I was really hoping that the Cavaliers would be able to create some kind of competition. But somewhere in the middle of that first game, I was just the, – the sadness just kicked in. But uh, I was going to give you a quick take on that and then, and then over on the uh, Jameis Winston thing. Sure. Um, Marcus Mariota is what I call easy to root for. And, Absolutely. Uh, John, Robinson, John Robinson, if you're listening to the show, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, they seem to be bringing in a culture of guys like Rashawn Evans, uh, Harold Landry, whoever, when they, when they draft, go out in free agency. Culture guys, you know, quality culture guys, good community guys, and they're easy to root for. We've had guys in the past, and, you know, you're talking about Jameis Winston, where if they take off and, and, and score a touchdown, you cheer because your team just scored, but you kind of wince a little bit while you're cheering, you know, that they're not easy to root for. Um, and each situation is different. Uh, with what Winston has done, to me, he is a guy that would be hard to root for. Uh, those are my takes. No problem, Dale. Appreciate it. Hope you have a good fourth. Okay, so he didn't really take me to test. I mean, I get what he's saying to some extent about the NBA. I just think that it gets a bad rap for the same argument over and over again, and I find the argument to be tedious and lazy especially when you think about other sports that you watch and how often you watch games with teams that have absolutely no effect on what's going to happen in the championship round. But then you say, because you know who the champion's going to be in the NBA, you're actually not going to watch the NBA. That, to me, is a little bit problematic. So again, we came back with Huey Lewis in the news from Back to the Future. I heard the Midday 180 earlier today talk about this, and then I had a discussion with Mickey Ryan and Don Davenport a little bit as we were riffing on some movies this afternoon in the green room before they took the uh, airways for 3HL. Rather than give you a great recommendation right now on something you have not seen, I have a suggestion for you in those times of the next few days when you're not stuck in a car, you're not enjoying a body of water, you're not engaged in those kinds of things. It's my go-to move when it comes to pop culture. I wrote about this years ago at OutKick. And now you can find me, by the way, at the Big Six blog on 1045thezone.com. And I've discussed this in various forums for a while now. I have a philosophy called the red and blue philosophy, where red connotes stop. It's what I use for something like Mad Men or Breaking Bad or Westworld, where my mood can greatly affect my enjoyment of the content where those shows demand all of my attention. I got to sit there and pay close eye to all of it, or I'm either going to be totally lost 
or I'm going to lose part of what's out there for me to experience as a consumer or a viewer. Most often, it's the red show that's going to win all the awards. The red movie has become that way as well. Although, weirdly enough, there's been a major shift in best picture from big-budget behemoths like Gladiator and Return of the King winning to things like The Artist that like five people saw. I like The Artist, but very few people saw it. Back in the day, it was films that made tons of money. Like I mentioned, Gladiator, Return of the King. You can go back and look towards the end of the 90s at the movies that actually made a ton of money and the ones that won Best Picture, and you see an interesting correlation that does not exist anymore. The Blue Show, on the other hand, is the one I can put on in the background. It's a cool color. It's usually one I know I can rewatch, or maybe I've already rewatched it several times. And what kind of got me to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to talk about this tonight on the show is the 180 movie club argument they were making earlier. Mickey Ryan's uh, admitting he had seen Legally Blonde like 73 times. And then we were talking about what's your go-to man card movie or guilty pleasure film and, and things like that. But in general, it was like the old USA shows that fit the bill for me and still do, like White Collar or Burn Notice or Monk or a sitcom like Parks and Rec or most episodes of The Office, not Scott's Tots, for example. But you've also got movies like Back to the Future, which is why we came back with the Huey Lewis tune there. Back to the Future, if you look at it from a structural standpoint, it's basically a perfect story and a perfect movie. There have been many articles written about this, and they're all accurate. Or something like Fletch. Or for me, something like The Dark Knight or The Social Network. There is not a time when I don't like to return to these films. They're easy to watch. So I suggest to you on this holiday weekend and maybe more often than you've ever considered doing before, why not make your life a little bit easier and a little more pleasant with stuff you already like, stuff you can quote, stuff that brings up fond memories. There is plenty of time to get engrossed in something, but not always. You shouldn't always be searching for something new. Take time away from trying to see what's new and remember what's great and what helped find the pop culture that you like. A lot of that stuff really holds up. And there's never going to be a way that you can see everything that's new. And I'm going to tell you a lot of things on this show and at the Big Six blog at 1045thezone.com that you should be spending your entertainment time on. But if you use your entertainment hours a little more often on the stuff that's proven, and maybe you're getting chores done or work done in the background while it's on, that's all the better. These red shows and these red movies, these heavy, heavy, heavy situations, they're great. They're often incredible, as a matter of fact. But knowing when something is right for you as a viewer or a consumer of pop culture often can be as or more important than if it might be right for you when it's an unknown. Let's get a couple of more phone calls in here before we say goodnight. Bob in Cross Plains joins us here on the Big Six. Bob, good evening. How you doing? Good, sir. Good. The guy named David that called in and he brought Trump up about how it, it was, you know, was it okay to vote for Trump? I wish you'd have asked him, did he vote for Hillary? I mean, would it be all right to vote for Hillary? She was just as bad as Trump. It's not to try to make it political, but if he's going to knock down Trump, he ought to knock down Hillary. But my point on all the crime with these guys and the breaking the law and stuff, and I used to love to get up and read the sports page, and now it's like getting up and reading a police blotter. It's just not sports anymore. It's who did this wrong, who got arrested, who's in jail. And I'm sick of it, basically. Right. I still watch college ball, but that's about it. All right, Bob, but you know college kids also make mistakes and get put in jail. I mean, I think that this is more a function of we have access to information we didn't have before. 
the police blotter always existed. Athletes and citizens in the general populace have always made mistakes and committed crimes. But now we have social media and we have people on a 24-7 cycle and you don't need a newspaper subscription to find out what is happening and who has actually been arrested. We have body cams on police officers and all this. I just think that the more access means that we hear about it more, even though it might not be happening to any great level more than it ever did before. Nick in Gallatin is up next. Nick, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. First time calling, man. Love the show. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, just touching on the uh, lopsidedness of the NBA games um, that we were referring to earlier. Sure. Um, so I'm a huge NBA fan, and it, it does bug me a little bit, but I think a huge contributing factor uh, is just the three ball, man. You know, uh, you see back in the 90s, you know, if you got down by 10 and there was five or six minutes left in the game, you know, you keep trying to chip away at the lead or whatever. You know, you might lose by six or eight, or maybe if you don't hit your shots, you lose by 12. Whereas now, you know, a team gets down by 10 points and they start chucking up threes. So then you either hit them or you don't. You know, you either make your comeback or you miss all your threes. You go cold and you get beat by 30. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. You know, just, just to look at the, the final score of the game and say, oh, they won by 30, it was a blowout, doesn't necessarily tell the story if you're not watching the game. Because it could have been a tight game up until the last three, four minutes. You know, so the old 10-point lead, you know, the, the old 10-point win is now like the 20-point win. You know, so so I think that's got something to do with it. Um, but they – they, they've definitely put some stuff in place to try to alleviate this, I think, with the super teams because all this new stuff they have where the home teams can offer a super right. max and extend and all that stuff, I think over time that's going to keep people in place because, like, you know, nobody thought Paul George was going to stay in OKC or, um, you know, some of these guys, you know, that are staying put so they can get that super max. I, you know, and maybe even like an Anthony Davis, you know, might wind up staying put because he's going to have to turn down so much to leave. Um, so I, I think some of those things can wind up helping. But uh, as far as the super teams and stuff go, I think the draft, the, the one and done, you know, players coming out when they're 19, I believe, is a problem. Because, you know, if you look at the NFL, you know, a team like look at Jacksonville or Dallas, you know, they get Jalen Ramsey and, you know, or Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott. They turn their team around in, in one draft class, you know, because uh, these guys come in top picks and make an immediate impact. Whereas in the NBA, you know, even if you pick in the top five for five seasons, you know, by the time these guys are actually good enough to be top players in the league, you know, like look at a Carl Anthony Towns or something like he's just getting to the point where he's a top 20 player in the league, you know, even though he was a number overall pick, Ezekiel Elliott was top three running back in the league right off the jump, you know. So I think, you know, by the time these guys – uh, hit their primes and are actually great players, they're already 25 years old and you're either having to pay them or they're walking and going to sign with a super team, you know? So it doesn't really help these small franchises in the in the NBA the same way it does in the NFL because the players, because, you know, once again, back in the 90s, you know, when Shaq came out after three or four years at UCLA, he was an, immediately an impact player, you know? Um, and, and you see a lot of that, you know, but I think that's, gone away because of the one and done but once again i mean in the 80s three teams won championships in exactly. the 90s the bulls and rockets won so it's not like we didn't haven't always known in the nba basically who was going to win it exactly. <laughs> you know all right nick appreciate uh, it buddy uh we'll talk yeah, to you man, again thanks. all right perfect thank you man that's him on the that's uh nick there in galton he had some good things to say one thing that i would say is different about the nba now if you want to look at it make the parody argument is that back in the 90s 
you still had this feeling, despite how great that those Bulls teams were, you still were like, maybe Charles Barkley can get him this year. Maybe Carl Malone and John Stockton can get this job done this year. There seemed to be stars on other teams that made you believe they had a chance to dethrone those Jordan Bulls teams. I don't really feel, I never felt that the Rockets were going to get that job done, even though they came pretty close. I, I never felt that way about it. And I think that there is a difference now. And I do think the three ball has changed the game. Next week on this show, or at some point in the near future, I'm going to talk about how Steph Curry has basically ruined basketball because he does something nobody else can come close to doing, but everybody is now trying, especially when you look at college basketball. Three point shooting completely out of control. All right. Before I go, things that make you go, hmm. This is something to be really cognizant of. The National Safety Council calls it the most dangerous holiday period of the year. Estimates as many as 194 deaths, 22,000 injuries are going to occur this week in road traffic accidents, swimming and firework tragedies as well. Keep in mind that when you're on the roads, be extra vigilant because it's not just you, it's somebody else, and you don't know whether or not they've had anything to drink. and You don't know whether or not they're paying attention or if they're staying at their phone. Please be safe. And enjoy July 4th. This has been the Big Six. We're off tomorrow. The McNair special. You've got to listen to that. It'll be on all day here on The Zone tomorrow. We're back on Thursday. Glad to have you with us again. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. Message and data.